podcast has bad words. <laughs> Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'll be fine without it Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I'm Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are the Minimalists. Today, we're going to talk about bucking the status quo. We're going to talk about embracing your own idiosyncrasies. We're going to talk about what happens when you refuse to conform. And to do that, we've got, well, we've got a special guest here. Jason Zook is with us today. Hello. He's an expert nonconformist. I try. Yeah, I hope. <laughs> He's also the author of, of a new book, Own Your Weird. And I, I figure we would, here, if you're watching this on YouTube, here is, here is the cover of the book. There's a pig with a bunch of balloons on the front. Uh, now, we'll get to your name in a moment. We're actually going to talk about a bunch of stuff today, Jason, about you. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to start with a confession. Okay. I haven't read this book yet. Mm. And I, uh, so I'm going to start with a confession and an apology. I lost the copy you sent me. And... I, when's the last time I ever lost anything, Ryan? I know that's usually my move. Never. I don't think I. <laughs> I don't think I've ever lost anything. Interesting. Um, and and so I don't know what Freud would say about this. <laughs> Maybe I'm conforming and and. Uh, but anyway, uh, so I'm going to apologize. Uh, I, this is this is. I don't think has ever happened to me where we've had a guest on where I and. Uh, I haven't read I haven't read their book, but it's going to give you a, a great opportunity to explain it to me and and to our audience. And uh, I think the best way to start here is so let's just go ahead and dive into some questions from the audience, and then we'll unpack the book as well. Our first question is from Jessica in Pittsburgh. About three years ago, I quit a potentially very lucrative, very secure job that I had studied a very long time to get. Um, well, I hated it. And because I wanted to stay at home and raise my two kids, recently I've also started a very small woodworking business. Um, Woodworking is something I've always loved doing, and I followed some of your advice and went for it. I'm actually listening to your podcast in my shop, which I found kind of ironic because I'm making things. My business slogan is useful, beautiful, yours, because everything I make is custom exactly to what my clients want. Um, mostly I build kids' playthings, train tables, furniture, other home decor items. Some of the stuff that my clients ask for are not items that I would personally build for myself or have in my own home. Um, but my question is, how do I come to terms with creating more stuff for this world, um, even though it is my passion to build things, when I myself try to get rid of my own possessions and keep my home as simple as I can? Jessica, you're you're really part of the problem here. Uh, we we don't want you <laughs> to make things. We're, we're just gonna like shame Jessica and then move on. <laughs> we're we're really against. In fact, we brought Jason on here so we could shame him for writing a physical book. <laughs> I'm part of the problem, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. I I think we get a bit confused uh, about this because we will conflate like overindulgent consumerism with the the craft of of creating meaningful things and it seems to me like like jessica is actually creating something that people are getting value from yeah i would say congratulations for like leaving your job that you hated that was sucking your soul and like you are actually doing something now that's meaningful and 
And Jessica, like, that's awesome. Like, I would never discourage anyone from doing something that they feel is meaningful. And, you know, something she said, too, about how she makes these pieces of furniture that she wouldn't have herself. Like, that's that's okay. There are certain things that people do that feel as meaningful that I would look at and not think are meaningful. But my opinion doesn't really matter. What matters is who's who's uh, deliberately getting Jessica's furniture, the creations that, that she is making. Like, it's... Minimalism is about being deliberate, and it sounds like there's a lot of deliberate thoughts and things going into this. I like the part about the fact that she quit the job that she hated. She's making maybe not the most meaningful work right now, but she's out of the thing that was terrible for her. Yeah. So it's phases, right? Like mm-hmm. she's not, you're not going to go from terrible situation to perfect life, just like you're not going to go from house full of things to house with absolutely nothing overnight. And and I only know this because I've lived the same thing for myself. Like when you have a job you hate, it's a career dungeon. Like that's mm-hmm. kind of what it is. It's not just a nine to five you're trapped in. It's something you can't get out of. And so I think, you know, for someone in this position, and I think we've all been there, it's phases. So you don't have to see it as this is your forever. It's just this is the now and I want to put food on the table. I want to pay the bills. I want to make things. Whether you feel like they're super meaningful or not, you're going to kind of get to that place only by going through these different phases. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point, man. I, I think maybe she needs to redefine what is is meaningful as well because it does seem to me that what she's doing is adding value to other people's lives. And if that's what you're doing, you're serving the greater good. And and I, I think what we need to do is, is figure out that that if if you are serving the greater good, if, if someone is, well, if you're creating something for someone else, then I, I don't... I think maybe you're struggling with something you shouldn't be struggling with uh, because you're identifying, well, if I make anything, then it is actually part of the problem when, when that's not it at all. No, like I, I look at, I look at any creator and, you know, I look at like, what is it that they're putting into the world? Now, if Jessica was like, you know, I got into the fast fashion industry and I got to come up with a new line of clothing every single week and I know it's wasteful and it's hurtful to the environment. I mean, there are obviously some values there that she is going against, but it doesn't sound like she's going against any of her values. I mean, we don't, when Josh and I speak about minimalism or simplicity or what, I mean, we're the minimalists because the domain was available for seven bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I try not to get too hung up on that word because it can have such a, you know, just a stark connotation sometimes. But, but when we, we talk about consumption, it's not that consumption's a problem. Like I'm drinking coffee. Um, I read Jason's book. I did read Jason's Thank book. You. You're, wel- you're welcome. <laughs> Weird flex, but okay. <laughs> Solid flex. I, uh, I I use a laptop. I use a cell phone. Now, I would much rather have like a biodegradable laptop or a biodegradable cell phone. Right. So when I think about what people are... Go ahead. Uh, also, I mean, there are some things that we do uh, that sometimes we turn a blind eye to it and I don't have a good answer to that. I mean, my phone is made essentially by uh, indentured servants. Yeah. Uh, yeah and- I, don't, I don't know how to deal with that cognitive dissonance that we we all have it right to a but, certain but there are there are other things like the making of of uh the woodwork which you don't need to have cogn- cognitive dissonance no. over that this doesn't this probably aligns with your values yeah um especially if your values include creativity yeah so if you're creating something that you know it's it's not about like oh i shouldn't be creating anything and i feel bad for putting more things into this world i mean the question is is like what are you creating why are you creating it? Mm. Are you are you in alignment with your values? Like that is those are going to be much more powerful questions than how can I stop creating something altogether? Yeah, Jason, you're you're quite the creator. 
Um, Not of woodworking things, though, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine there's <laughs> some weird ones. There, there's something in yeah. your future here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, let, let's talk a little bit about uh, in your book, which I haven't read. Um, <clears throat> I do think it is kind of funny, though, because we know each other. So you do have the context of knowing some of my projects, some of the crazy things yeah. I've done. So I think that's a little bit different than someone that comes in here cold and you're like, all right, I haven't read your book. Who the hell are you? Like, right. you know, we have conversations. We've known each other since 2013. Like, it's been a while. So I think that is a slight difference. So maybe that was why you lost lost it, <laughs> the book that I sent you, and Ryan didn't, you know? Like, I don't know. <laughs> well, as I was going through it, it was it was just a, um, a little bit more in-depth of the stories I already knew about exactly. you. So, yeah, I totally see what you're saying. I mean, yes, for all intents and purposes, Josh, you have read most of the book yep. because you know Jason. Well, let's talk about the, the weirdness thing here because Jessica has done something that is non-conforming and it is weird in a way, and she's actually struggling with owning it right now. Yes, mm. yeah. So this is what this is the entire ethos of the book is the fact that your weird, just like minimalism, is how you define it. Mm-hmm. So it's not about how you guys live your lives as minimalists. It's not about how I live my life as a minimalist because I do identify as that. But I am also way weirder than people like you, than people like Jessica, than people like anybody else. And I own that and I'm okay with that. And I think that, again, it goes back to what I said about the phases. It doesn't happen all at once. You don't just go, okay, I'm a woodworker who makes unicorn furniture and that's all that I do. And then people (laughs) go, okay, that's who you are. You have to get to that phase. And I'm not saying that she's going to do that. All the great idea, if you want to do that, I'll buy a piece. Uh, I just think that that's a really interesting part of this is to figure out who you are, understand what makes you different, because that is the thing that we all buy into, whether you listen to this podcast or another one, or I'm friends with you guys, it's because of who you are, not because of just what you stand for. Because that really is the texture that aligns us, it's what makes us interesting, it's what makes us fun. And I think that for me and all the weird stuff that I've done, I've just found that the more weird that I am, it makes me feel more me. Mm-hmm. And so I think for everybody to figure out what that definition is for them is just what I'm trying to do in the book, that you're going to be different from other people. You're going to stand out from the crowd. You're not going to have the nine to five job. You're not going to be a normal woodworker, maybe. And that's OK. And you just own it. And you, you get to that point where it starts to feel more comfortable the more that you do. Yeah. All right. Well, Jessica, I'm going to send you a copy of two books. One is Own Your Weird yeah. by Jason Zook. We're going to send you a copy of that. Also, I'd love to send you a copy of Minimalism, Live a Meaningful Life. It's Ryan's and my first book. And since we're talking about conformity today, this was this was apropos. The first line of this book, if I'm remembering it correctly, is conformity is the drug with which many people self-medicate. Nice. And, and I think that's... When, when we're talking about not conforming, and we're actually going to talk about maybe some of the benefits of conforming as well today. I think I think there's uh, much to, to recommend uh, with conformity in, in some instances, so we can talk about that. But I think you'll find value in minimalism, live a meaningful life, because it actually helps you identify what your values are and then live congruent with those values. Realizing you're going to be different. What makes your life exciting is you have relationships with people who have different values. I'm sorry, who have different beliefs, have different interests, uh, different idiosyncrasies, different personalities but the the alignment of values is often very similar so if you like our podcast you'll like the audiobook version of minimalism live a meaningful life sean if you could reach out to jessica send that to her or if she wants the book book or the ebook we're happy to send those to you as well as well as a copy of own your weird ryan what time is it you know what time it is it is time for our lightning round where we answer questions from social media indeed we do we are at the minimalists on twitter facebook and instagram jason i believe you're at Jason Does Stuff. I am, yes. And so you can follow him there. Now, we try to just 
I guess uh, we, we create something pithy here. We, we answer questions with a short, shareable, less than 140 character response, uh, which Sean tweezes out, puts them in the show notes. We call them minimal maxims. Uh, Jessica collects them all at minimalmaxims.com. But really, we just ramble on a bit yeah. until we find something pithy. <laughs> yeah, dude, I mean, we've had, we've had time to like prepare our answers. You haven't, yeah. so you can just ramble, and then Sean will clean it up and post to make it nice and pretty. Perfect. What's our first question? All right, our first question is from Natalie. How do I address the disappointment of my family and friends when I choose different paths in life than the ones they believe are most ideal for me? Jason, do you talk about this in your book at all? I mean, it's one thing that I, I've, in fact, when we were collecting questions for this, the same question kept coming up over and over. It was effectively this question. It manifests differently where it's like my, communi my community doesn't accept me. My parents mm. don't accept me. My spouse doesn't accept me. People don't accept me if I don't make decisions based on everyone around me. I mean, the problem with that is if you're trying to appease everyone, you're going to appease no one. Ooh, that's pithy. <laughs> um, share that, Sean. Um, my, my pithy answer is you won't get to your destination. You won't get to your destination by taking their path, especially if you have 15 different people with 15 different paths in, in their life. And I feel like you just sort of, you're going down everyone else's path. You're not going to discover your own. Yeah. And I really feel like it's about what you need to get out of the relationships that you have. And so the ones with your family are about love and connection and all of that stuff. But the ones maybe for your work life or for really who you are deep down as a person, you may need to leave that close community for those things. Mm. That's what my wife and I did. We left Florida to come to California because we felt completely out of alignment with the life we had in Florida. Our family's all still there and we still go back and visit them and we love them, we talk to them, but sometimes you have to get out of your comfort zones to actually find the right fit for you in life. Yeah, yeah. I, th I think also running towards something, you, you, you as opposed to running away from Jacksonville, um, which is a good memoir title, uh, <laughs> uh, you, you found a place to run toward. Exactly. And, and a community to run toward. And I think that's important because it actually accompl accomplishes two things. It does help you remove yourself from the the previous situation to some extent like you said you still have family there you still maintain these loose ties um you may not see them face to face every day but you're still able to maintain a, a meaningful relationship with them from a distance natalie the only person you need and disappoint is yourself and that is the truth like you've got to be able to look in the mirror and feel good about what you're doing um if you're doing everything that your parents are telling you to do well then you're not being you you're being them or you're being a version of what they want you to be, but you've, you've got to be yourself and you got to find a way to do that. Um, I will say like, <clears throat> it's so difficult because we want approval. I want Josh's approval. I want Jordan's approval. I want Zook's approval. I want Sh Heart podcast Sean's approval. Like I, you know, approval is something that I want, but I'm not going to forsake approval over my own self-worth. Yeah, if you get everyone's approval but are living incongruent with the person you want to be, you're still going to be you're going to be the most approved miserable person in the world. Yeah. And 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 it's yeah, you see it in in politics especially, right? Um and where where people they they try to appeal to everyone and so they use this sort of double talk and this nuanced speak and it's it's very strange because when you see the the most vanilla candidate that sort of tries to appeal to everyone, they end up appealing to no one. Yeah, yeah. no, it's absolutely true. And, and Jessica, like your, or I'm sorry, uh, Natalie, you got to think like your family. Uh, you hit the nail on the head, Jason. Like your family is is there to love and support you. Uh, you are there to love and support them. And if they are going to base their love and support off of what you do 
for a profession or what school you go to. I mean, I would push back on them and ask them if that's really showing you love. Yeah, and I really think that you see this in business too. Like when you sell things that don't align with your core values, at the end of the day, that money doesn't feel rich. It doesn't feel like it's bringing you any actual joy. And you, that to me is like the version of selling out is when you're doing those things and they're not actually aligning with what you wanna do. And and I think the family stuff does get tough. I mean, listen, I'm a black sheep in my family because I'm the only entrepreneur. I'm the only person who's gone out and publicly failed a bit and had a bunch of stuff that I put out into the world, but it's also what has made me feel the most me. And so I think that that's important for someone like Natalie, for anybody like us who we just enjoy sharing our stories and that our families may not see those eye to eye, but that's okay. It's not for them to see everything we do eye to eye if it really is what lights us up and makes us feel great. How do they warm up to you over time though? I mean, because I'm sure at first when you're out there, you're failing publicly or succeeding publicly even, and it's different from their idea of success. How how did they end up warming up to you or or did they? Well, yeah, I, I think it just, it comes from repetitive time for me of like all these weird ideas that I kept doing, Uh they finally just maybe realized like, okay, this is who he is. It's not a one and then he's gonna come back and be like this kid that we knew growing up. It's, oh, this is who he is. He's going to keep doing this. So we need to accept him for this. And that to me, it just kind of came naturally with my family, thankfully. I didn't have too much trouble with that. But I do know people who've had a lot of trouble with that. And I think the thing that I would say to them and have said to people in those positions is, just keep telling your family that you love them. No matter what it is that you do, you still love them mm-hmm. and you hope that they love you back. Mm-hmm. And that's all you can do. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, you know what, did you said something about how, you know, over time you just kept doing this, you know, the, you were consistent basically is a way that I took that. And I think that's what's key, man. Like what your family wants to see is they want to see consistency. Consistently the, yourself. Yeah, they want to sure. see you consistently yourself. And they also want, they also want to see some level of, um, certainty or some level of uh, like you being able to live a meaningful life and, and as long really owning it right yeah like that's the thing like not just going I'm gonna try this thing and then you kind of float to all these different directions like no I'm gonna do this thing this is who I am I'm owning my weird and I'm really gonna own it and I'm gonna show up consistently and I'm gonna be myself and authenticity is the thing that gets passed around a ton but if you really own it and you really are that person I think your family and your friends and people will come around and if they don't yeah that's okay. Then those people just kind of phase out of your life and that's all right too. Yeah. I mean, when my family first, you know, when my mom first found the minimalists.com by Googling my name, I mean, she was, uh, she was just not very supportive. And a lot of my family wasn't, a lot of my close friends were, um, I don't say weren't supportive, but they, they weren't like mocking some of them. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. But, But what happens is after being consistent, after seeing like, Oh, this is authentically Ryan, that is when uh, you start. When I started to gain that support from from friends and family, you know, if someone's being mocking, uh, or then that is also that's a nice red flag of oh, I should probably distance myself from them because they're so insecure. Mm-hmm. That uh, you, you, we often say, judgment is but a mirror that reflects the insecurities of the person who's doing the judging. Um, and I'm gonna pause real quick because Jordan or Sean or someone, the sound panel is crooked. <laughs> And my OCD is flaring. You can keep recording this because we're going to keep going as Jordan fixes it. Our next question is from Kate, Ryan. To me, that's owning your weird, by the way. Like, <laughs> just own the shit out of that. <laughs> Our next question is from Kate. Kate wants to know, is maintaining traditions with family and friends, particularly during the holidays, a healthy practice? Or should we always be striving to challenge the status quo? You know, this was this is a fascinating question because, and I think we're going to talk a little bit later about reinventing the wheel constantly. So I, I won't use that metaphor right now. But 
Uh, here's my pithy answer. If you don't like your current traditions, create new ones. Mm -hmm. Because I, I, here's the thing. I think traditions exist for a reason. Uh, people have found them to be useful in the past. That doesn't mean they'll necessarily be useful in the future. But if there are hundreds or thousands of years of tradition, whether it is religion or it is ritual, there are useful things within that. There are also other things that are probably not useful that you can do away with. But uh, in fact, I was listening to who was it? Jonathan Haidt, who was talking about the uh, uh, the rain dance is more is more useful than not having a rain dance. Mm. Like even if you're part of a tribe that has a rain dance, because no, the rain dance probably doesn't make it rain. <laughs> well, let's all acknowledge that. <laughs> probably is the keyword. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. um, and but it actually brings the community together in a way that if they had no similar ritual that um, you wouldn't have that same connectedness or, or that closeness. And so there are traditions that are actually really useful. Where they become harmful is if they get in the way of, of the greater good. You were talking about the environment earlier or things like that. There are yeah. some traditions that are harmful, that are exclusionary, that hurt people. Those traditions are bad, but a lot of traditions are actually good. And if you don't have a good tradition, you can, you can obviously create a new one. Absolutely. So what do you think about like just bucking the status quo for the sake of bucking the status quo or challenging the status quo, Jason? Yeah, I mean, this has been my mantra and even through the past couple of years, but then in writing this book, I just kind of kept thinking the way things have been done is not the way things, or the way things have always been done is not the way things have to be done. Mm. So whether it's traditions, whether it's, you know, family things, whether it's the way that you work, to me, I just feel like we don't have to stay in these same cycles. And I think it's just happening faster now. Mm. And so 30 years ago, if you wanted to start a different business than anyone had started, it's really difficult because you can only see what you could see, but it goes all the way back to Henry Ford, right? Like what do people want if you ask them? They want a faster horse. They don't know what a car is. Right. So you have to figure out what that thing is for you, whether it's traditions and then you make that new tradition that's very different or whether like for me, it's just coming up with all these weird ideas and just going, oh, things don't have to be done the same way they've always been done. I can do that something this way. I can try something this way. But it's like you said before, I have to stay consistent to it mm -hmm. and I have to stay true to it. So I can't just put it out there and go, oh, it didn't work after a month. Now I have to give up. It's the same thing with trying to become a minimalist. Like, oh, I went into my closet and I tried to give away some things, but man, those college jeans like couldn't give them away and then you give up. <laughs> right? Or, or you give it all away, but then you don't know why you're doing it. And mm -hmm. so a month later, all of a sudden you've got all these new things in your closet. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, my pithy answer is this, uh, bucking the status quo for the sake of bucking is not meaningful. So when, when I think about bucking the status quo, when I've done it in my life, when I've really challenged the status quo and have bifurcated from the status quo, it is to grow, it's to learn, it is to live a more meaningful life. Um, but, you know, I think you could kind of say the same thing about tradition, like following tradition for the sake of tradition also isn't meaningful right so so question like, that tradition like we just yeah. did a, a podcast episode with erwin uh, mcmanus who is a pastor of a, a large church across the street and and the 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 whole topic there was about questioning beliefs questioning faith and 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 questioning religion questioning atheism but you you make your beliefs stronger if you're willing to question them yeah absolutely and i i think some traditions are great i mean Going back to that word consistency, I mean, we all need some consistency in our life. I mean, even me, who is ADD and all over the place, there are still some things like I need to be consistent with. And some traditions can bring that consistency. And oh, by the way, they can add value to you, your friends, your family. So yeah, bucking the status quo for the sake of it, not very meaningful. But yeah, certainly, Kate, 
you know, if you're if you are uh, in some traditions right now that you want to question, it's okay to question them, but but don't just go against them for the sake of being a rebel. And I would also say one thing that I've just learned in my life is there's a difference between questioning something and there's another questioning and presenting another idea. Yeah. So it's so much easier to get someone's buy-in if you're not just going, why are we doing this? But it's going, why are we doing this? Can we try this? And so like my wife and I created a new Christmas tradition where we don't buy each other gifts, but we pick a movie, we pick a snack, and we pick an activity. And we both do that for each other. And it's so fun. It's so, and, but we've never seen anybody do it, but we just kept sitting through Christmases every year going, why are we doing this same mm. thing over and over? Let's make something up. And and that becomes a really interesting thing when you start to think, oh, let me not just go up against the system. Let me present a new idea to make it a little bit easier or softer for someone to go, sure, let's try that. Like that does sound like a good idea. It may be a little uncomfortable because change is very uncomfortable, but mm. let's try something new and here's an opportunity to get better or to just have fun or break a tradition that's been around forever. Yeah, like shooting down an idea without having something else to present isn't going to get you very yeah. far for sure. And what else, what's nice about that is that idea is also adjacent to the current idea. It's not like, well, you know, we're going to not have, instead of Christmas today, <laughs> we're, we're going to go out and, and, you know, I don't know. Go uh, trick-or-treating. Kill puppies. <laughs> <laughs> wow, interesting combo. <laughs> Can we sit down and talk about these two answers? <laughs> All right, Jason, it looks like we got, a, we got a bunch more surprise questions this week, including sometimes I feel isolated or weird for not following the status quo. Could you offer some suggestions for overcoming those hard feelings? Also, how do you find a new community when your current community no longer works for you? Is there some value in confronting or maintaining the status quo? Uh, we're also going to talk to Jason about all the weird things he's done over the last decade. Well, at least some of the weird <laughs> <Yeah>. things. <laughs> including uh, several years when he was paid to wear a bunch of different t-shirts. Yeah. Um, which sounds like it would be awesome. I'm wearing a t-shirt. Shouldn't I get paid for that? And then why you also sort of got burnt out on that. Um, we're going to talk about the time that he sold his last name twice, two different years. Uh, and so uh, Zook is not his original last name. Neither is headsets.com. <laughs> <laughs> nice leave. Nice and uh, oh, uh, he wrote a fully sponsored book. And we, we don't do any sponsorships on our podcast or any advertisements. So we're, we're going to talk about that. Maybe we'll agree. Maybe we'll disagree. But uh, you wrote an entire book that was just full of uh, advertisements, for lack of a better term. And, and we're going to talk about the time that Jason sold his future. And if you want to hear all that, you can listen to this week's Maximal episode available exclusively on Patreon. That's right. You're currently listening to our weekly minimal episode, but each week Ryan and I record an entirely different, much longer maximal episode on the Minimalist Private Podcast, which gives us the private space we need to talk about topics we don't usually discuss in public. Plus, Patreon is the best way for us to fund this podcast and keep it 100% advertisement free. When you subscribe to the Minimalist Private Podcast on Patreon, you'll also receive a personal link so that our Maximal episodes play in your favorite podcast app. Find all the details and all the good stuff over at theminimalists.com slash support. Also, um, let me say this. We are capping our Patreon audience at 6,000 patrons, and we're more than two-thirds of the way there at this point, or really close to two-thirds of the way there, actually. And so... Get in now while you can. If you want to be part of that audience, I know it's just a couple bucks, but uh, that couple dollars goes a long way for us since we don't do advertisements on this podcast. Ryan, what else you got for us? Being informed is more important than ever. So I want to encourage people to read more and get informed. If you're getting all of your you know, reading material from Facebook headlines or media headlines, uh, I would encourage you to get out there and 
read some other things. All right. I also have some voicemail comments and tips from our listeners. Check them out. Hi, my name is Helen. I'm from Vista, California. Just heard your um, podcast number 38 on my walk, and you were mentioning travel. I want to just point out that there's another organization besides couch surfing that I'd love for you guys to catch, uh, to check out. It's called Servas, S-E-R-V-A-S, and you can find them online. There's a U.S. organization and a global organization, and they've been providing a host traveler meetup service for years. Um, it's a little bit more structured than couch surfing, so it tends to be um, – it might uh, be more familiar, more comfortable for people that um, like to ha- like a little bit more vetting when they're traveling and visiting with people. But we've been hosts for over 10 years, and we've had some visitors from some amazing organizations. Hi, this is Paula Noble, and I live in Kearney, Missouri. Calling because I just listened to your podcast on criticism, which was really good, and it made me think of this quote by uh, Teddy Roosevelt that uh, Brene Brown, you've probably heard of, likes to talk about about criticism, and it's called The Man in the Arena. And you've probably heard it, but just if you haven't, I'll go ahead and just read it to you. But it goes, it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, who faced is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls neither no victory nor defeat. All right, y'all. Thanks again to Jason Zook for joining us today. Check out his book, Own Your Weird, wherever you get books. We'll also put a link to that in the show notes. He also has a podcast called Wandering Aimfully. It's also the name of his website. He and his wife run together. It's like a a nice, tight-knit community. Speaking of tight-knit communities, let's move on to right here, right now. Here's one thing that's going on in the life of the minimalist. I was going to talk about minimalism.life, our side project. You can check that out, of course. But since we talked about community quite a bit, especially on the Patreon Maximal episode. We talked about getting in with different communities, finding new communities. One way to do that we've mentioned is like meetup.com or places like that, Facebook groups. But we also have something called minimalist.org, which we don't always talk about a lot on the podcast. It's something that has grown organically. Ryan and I, uh, in 2014, we went to 100 different cities and had 119 different events. And we left behind meetup groups in all of those cities, and many of them are still going. Many of them are flourishing right now. And if you want to connect with open-minded or like-minded people locally or in a city near you, it's eight different countries, right? Eight, eight countries, 100 cities. And also, oh, there's the online city too. So if there isn't a city close to you, you can connect with the, the online city as well. Just head on over to minimalist.org. We'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. If you have a question, comment, or a minimalism tip for our podcast, please leave us a voicemail. 406-219-7839, especially the tips, minimalism tips. You have a much better chance of getting aired. Also, of course, write them down before you call in because that will make you sound extremely articulate to the rest of our audience. We're always looking for minimalism tips that we can borrow and reappropriate as our own tips later on. 
No, we give you full credit, of course. Uh, you can send a voice memo to podcast at theminimalists.com as well. You can comment on this episode at youtube.com slash theminimalists. If you want our show notes in your inbox, sign up for our email list at theminimalists.com. You'll also receive our simple Sunday emails. For our added value this week, let's listen to a song from Noah Gunderson's new album, Lover. Now, this just came out last Friday, Ryan, and it was so unfortunate. Did you see that Taylor Swift's album also came out the same day? Oh. And her album is also called Lover. No way, dude. Yeah. I think it was a surprise album, too. So he's had this oh, plan for months. Wow. And I'm sh- I, she may have not known anything about it, but... But you know what? The uh, work, I mean, if it's good work, it'll stand alone. Yeah, and it really does. And uh, I, you know, here, here's the thing I, I, I say about um, Noah Gunderson's albums. I, I think they're all remarkable. The, this might be my, my favorite of his. It might be his best album, and it's different from his previous albums. It has evolved in a way where it's... It's not rock music, it's not pop music, it's not singer-songwriter, it's sort of an amalgamation of, of all three. It's really beautiful, it's heartfelt, it's full of, of, of sort of rumination, it's a highly personal album. You can tell that he's, he's considering a lot of things, there's some despair in there, but there's also some hope. And there are so many good songs on this album, but I think my favorite might be the fourth track on the album. It's called Watermelon. So let's end this episode with that track. Here is Watermelon from Noah Gunderson's new album, Lover. And if you leave here today with just one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. It's not easy to please me Wish that I could give you some good news My heart Like a tattoo on an old tin drum It's rolling down a great gravel road From a house that used to be my own Before the hard times I got sick and threw up in my mouth At the thought of ever missing out On the bright blue world And all the beautiful girls in it But you were something sweet enough to stick Jolly Rancher went against me